Welcome back to the Prisoners of Hope podcast. This is Will Carlisle, and I'm joined, as always, by the great, the illustrious, the loved Joshua Youssef. Great to be back. Great Will, to be Happy back. New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, it's January. It's the first Prisoners of Hope of the year. And uh, so today we're just going to kind of have a, a little bit of a, a state of affairs kind of conversation about the persecuted church, about uh, what 2024 uh, feels like globally for the persecuted church and uh, help the persecuted's sort of vision for the year. And kind of down into the the nitty gritty personal side of the ministry uh, that is happening. So um, one of the things that is sort of like a topic of conversation within this sphere is that persecution is is seems to be increasing um, and Islam seems to be on the rise um, in, in parts of the world. And, you know, that that can kind of come with a whole host and plethora of opinions and hot takes and whatnot. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on um, why why is persecution increasing? Why do we seem to be uh, seeing the things overseas that we are seeing? Um, yeah. What What is your take? Well, on? I you know, we're looking at two different things. One is the growth and advance of Islam mm. and the growth and advance of the church, the growth mm-hmm. and advance of conversion. Yeah. And so when you look at the last... 1400 years since Islam you have only a, let's say prior to the to the 1980s you have only really a handful of conversion moments within within the Islamic community right mm. you have you know stories about William of Tripoli and others who were around the the crusader time in places like modern day Libya yeah. and Turkey and stuff where there were instances of of Muslims coming to faith in Christ. In mm-hmm. fact, I think in modern day Libya there was a an account of about a thousand Muslim Muslims coming to faith in Christ. Now we don't know whether they were genuinely preached the gospel and that they converted, or was it that there was in this battle mm-hmm. they felt like okay, let's join yeah, the other yeah, team. Yeah, sure. We don't know, but you know, it, when we look at the 1980s, 90s, 2000s, we are, we have seen. And I'm writing about this for Reform Theological Seminary. I, we have seen a movement of conversion from Islam hmm. in mass numbers. Hmm. We're seeing wow. even a phenomena of things that make us in the Reform camp very uncomfortable, like hmm. dreams and visions of Jesus. Yeah. And so you have this growth and advent uh, advance of Islam, but you also have this growth of the church. You have you have more converts today than we've ever seen, and, I, and I've said this. Repeatedly, you know, I, I go around and ask pastors all the time, pastors in Morocco, pastors in Iraq, pastors in Syria, how many converts did you know, even mm. know, not just like have heard of, but did you, or have you heard of in the 1960s and 70s? Yeah. And they would say, we, we don't remember any of the of that, mm. you know, and you, they would say around the 90s and 2000s, we started to see more. And I, I talked to one pastor in Iraq and he said half of his church are converts from a yeah. Muslim background. So so you have this advance of Islam, which is a very honor-shame culture, does not respond well to conversion and leaving the faith, and you have this growth of the church, and what, what it is is it's basically two trains kind of colliding, and that's the, that's the persecution. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's helpful for me to think of this through the lens of, of spiritual warfare, um, rather than just like a tug-of-war kind of match, 
Um, you know, I've been I've been watching uh, Band of Brothers recently, like the amazing World War II kind of miniseries. And one of the things that's like fresh on my mind because of that is war is is really messy and painful to watch. And, and it's not like, oh, this side is clearly winning all the time without any casualties, without any struggles. And this other side is receding. But there's like this give and take. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a million different angles that all kind of tell different stories. That's like the story of World War II. Mm-hmm. And, you know, scripture clearly talks about these sorts of matters as spiritual warfare, you know, these like unseen forces that we see come into play in these dreams and visions and all this kind of spiritual activity, some of which we've covered on this podcast. Um, And so, you know, I I think that that, what you're saying is a great reminder to not be um, easily shaken, but to actually be reoriented towards this is warfare, you know, And, and both sides are trying to make advances. We know who wins in the end. We know the name above every other names. Yes. But, um, as there's, you know, advances and, and, you know, uh, rises in persecution, um, that is only a side of the story, but we know who wins at the end. So, you know, given though, that persecution is increasing, what, what is HTP's, you know, plan and what, what, what are you doing to respond to sort of this shifting climate? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we feel called to, um, rescue and restore and rebuild people who have essentially gone through a, a very difficult situation, a very challenging situation where their livelihood has been taken from them, their inheritance has been taken from them. Mm-hmm. In some cases, their life has been taken from them, and then they were the they were the provider for their family, and so we have to provide for the family that's left. Mm. And so, how do we support a beleaguered church? A, a struggling church, a a church that is what I would call weak in the physical sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think they are spiritually. They're actually stronger than us yeah. spiritually, but th- yeah. they are weaker spir- uh, physically and in a in a in a social mm-hmm. fabric sense. And so that is was what we aim to do is to support a church uh, that is that is weak and mm. that can survive and, and with the goal to survive um, a dry climate, if you yeah. will. You know, a, 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 not being a, a literally dry climate, but a spiritually dry climate. Yeah. And so we, we want to see a, a church that's flourishing in hostile lands. And that oftentimes does take a, a practical uh, turn for us. We have to sort of treat these people as a whole person, spiritually and physically. When they lose their job, we need to help them find a job or create a business. When they are kicked mm. out of their house, they need practical roof over their heads, right? They, mm-hmm. need, a, they need a safe house. Um, and so those are the kind of like, day in and day out tactical things that we do. Now, strategically, we're looking at Libya. We, mm. we just recently kind of brought Yemen online. Okay. That's going to take some time to get fully uh, onboarded. But uh, Libya is is in the future. Afghanistan's still in our sights. We have we think we have a solution there. Um, and these are these are, you know, Libya is one of those places that um, I, I've been doing ministry in and out of the Middle East for over 20 something years. And Every conference that I would go to, people would say, we just, we can't find anybody in Libya. You know, Libya has just always been a drought place. And we, we think we, we think we have a a bead on the right person uh, or persons. And so, uh, you know, that's a country that I think really needs, really needs the gospel. It's, it's an unreached uh, country for sure. 
Um, but we also know that there are believers there that need support. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the, you know, that's a, there's kind of two things in play there. It's like some of it is as like daily life and tactical as like job hunting, you know, aid and, or like daily provision, but then also this high level, like globalistic, you know, looking at these different countries and the political and spiritual climates and ramifications. Um, so there's a lot going on there and a lot, it sounds like to be excited about for, you know, another year of this ministry that you are doing for you, Josh, personally, what, uh, what are you most excited about? And, and maybe you can speak collectively for your team for 2024 and, and kind of these new prospects and, and all the work that's going on. What are you most excited about for this year of, of ministry that you kind of are looking at ahead? Yeah. I mean, um, we're, we're actually gathering as a team this year, mm. uh, the whole team. So oh, great. almost, you know, Morocco, Algeria, Egypt, uh, Lebanon, uh, Jordan, Syria, Iraq, Iran, wow. Afghanistan, Pakistan. I mean, all of us coming together. And so wow. like, I am super excited about that. We don't get to do that very often. A yeah. lot of things are done through signal and zoom and, mm-hmm. um, you know, calls, you know, WhatsApp and so it's good for us to be together. That's like what we're really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then there's just the um, there's there's just this this desire that I have to be you know for us to to go into these countries, Yemen and and Libya and yeah and um and and get into find a solution for for Afghanistan. So those are the those are the kind of big things that I'm sort of um, yeah in on. Can you like what is a all staff HTP home team gathering like like what are you going to do what's the what's the plan hope dream you know the, the middle eastern culture is so warm mm. you know it's so um kind and um there's there's uh there's just a lot of warmth with with when yeah. they all when we all come together you know and, and they often talk about in the middle east like they talk so close to each other you can smell each other's breath yeah yeah and and sometimes that can make a westerner very uncomfortable but sure. but for me having some middle eastern blood in me yeah uh, i i sometimes feel like i'm at home mm. when i'm with the group and um there's lots of laughter there are a ton of tears mm. and you know just hearing from my own teams you know look they're helping people who are struggling and they themselves are struggling right mm. they're struggling with sure the same kind of things that we deal with in the west in terms of just day-to-day life but then they are also being chased down by secret police they're having to navigate truth you know how do they tell the truth and not or you know be shrewd about certain certain things they can say and can't say to certain people they're constantly living under the thumb of this um either either a state dictatorial uh, uh, regime or or um or watch you know being watched by other family members who are suspicious of their their own uh, situation and what they're doing yeah gosh um that's amazing when when is that all team gathering kind of happen. Uh, or is that early February? Okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. we'll say early February in an undisclosed location. I like it. Yeah. Well, that's definitely something uh, to be praying towards um, for all of us for some refreshing um, time for for everyone. What what else? You know, as you look forward into twenty twenty four, what are kind of like you know for for the avid HTP prayer warrior what are like the big picture, you know, a lot of us get the the prayer report every week, mm. uh, which 
it's amazing and well put together and has these, it's very granular. You know, you can kind of get into the stories of, of these people that HGP is helping. But looking at 2024 on a whole, uh, where should people be directing their prayers? You know, where should I be aiming um, kind of those big picture prayers for help the persecuted? Well, it's good. I mean, the, each country has their unique set of problems, but I, I will say that, um, you know, Lebanon is one of those countries that needs our prayer. It's, it's a, it's such a pivotal country for us because it's, it's, um, it's critical to, it's what I call a fallback country. So you have like converts in Syria who, who are really running for their life, truly running for their life mm-hmm. or converts from Egypt or converts from, um, Iraq. This Lebanon is our, is our easiest country to get people in as far as visas and as far as the number of safe houses that we have and the structures that are there. So we, we need, we need to pray for Lebanon that it would remain, um, free of war it, 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 and and this the economic situation that's impacted Lebanon is just awful so we've expanded the size of our farm we've set up a refuge center and so these are things that we need to be praying for for Lebanon yeah. it's a, it's a it's it's kind of a it's this like foundational block country block for yeah. us yeah. we 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 you know somebody asked me well what happens if Lebanon falls and it, I, the question the answer is I don't at that point I don't know I mean Turkey's kind of an option but not really mm-hmm. um not from not from more Middle East Arab centric people, but mm-hmm. um, for Persians it is. But so these are things we need to be praying for. Yeah, um, you know we started these kind of um, ministry teams in Lebanon, and uh, and they've been doing great great personal discipleship and personal ministry. Yeah, and so we we want to start doing that those kind of care teams uh, in other countries as well. And so, um, you know pray that we would find, you know, the right people who are committed to evangelism and, and, and to that ministry, uh, shepherding yeah. aspect. Absolutely. This is going off script a little bit, but I'm curious. I'm sure other people are, um, obviously one of the hottest kind of topics of conversation right now is the, the war, uh, in Palestine, the Israel Hamas conflict. Um, you know, how does that, you know, we, we only see kind of the tip of the iceberg, which is the outright tension between this group Hamas and the state of Israel. But, you know, I, I would assume that that has tentacles that run deep into the climate of the Middle East. Um, so is that affecting uh, the work of HDP? Is that I, pu- I pulled up this this tweet um, from a friend of mine, Robert Nicholson, and uh, I've known Robert. Um, for years now, uh, he's up in New York and and does some writing. He's written for Wall Street Journal and other mm-hmm. Atlantic, I think. Um, and Robert tweeted this out, and I sent it to my team. I said, finally, like somebody's written something that's that uh, something I've been thinking, but I didn't I didn't know how to like articulate. But he said, Middle Eastern Christians come in two flavors. One is brainwashed by Arabists and Islamist propaganda, and thinks that Israel is their enemy. The other knows that the people trying to destroy Israel want to destroy them too. Mm. And and this is a challenge, if I'm honest with you, Will. This is a challenge that we're dealing with as an organization. Not so much as an organization internally. I think we are all kind of pretty uniform. Yeah. Um, but certainly what we're dealing with in the broader Christian world, and I'll say, I say Christian, I actually think a lot of converts who've left Islam understand this better than those who came, who were born into a cultural ethnic Christian background, like a mm-hmm. Coptic Christian or a Maronite Christian or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
their identity has been so rocked and so broken up, the soil's been so broken up of Islam, that they no longer have this loyalty, this blind loyalty to to Palestine in the in the sense of like, again, I'm talking more like Hamas. I have I have very sensitive feelings about, you know, Palestinians in general. I I, I lean more towards their their plight in some ways. But but in terms of this like, you know, Israel is evil and has done these heinous things and there's they're killing babies and all this kind of stuff. It's it's just not rooted it's not rooted in reality. Mm. And so some have uh, unfortunately I think blindly adopted this notion that Israel is is evil. And again, they are a nation that do they're not I mean they they do wrong. They do I mean they make mistakes. They're not they're not a but I don't I don't think at their core when you look at the makeup of their government and the makeup of their people, they're not a capricious mm-hmm. people, yeah. Uh, generally speaking, and look, there's some there's some wa- the wonderful things that Israel has done. Like you've got Arab Christians who are who are members of the Knesset. You have Arab Muslims. You have mm. Jews. You have you have a very diverse, not very diverse, but a diverse mm-hmm. uh, a group of people representing different uh, ethnic groups from within Israel in their government, and so. You know, I, I would just say that some of this has um, kind of clouded the mm-hmm. way in which we view um, the world, in which we view the the region, uh, in, in the way we view um, evangelism, and you know our our call. And so, you know, I suppose my call to my staff and my team has just been, you know, we do need to keep the gospel cent- central central to what we do, like. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be like defending nations and defending, you know, political yeah, yeah. parties and so forth. But at the same time, like I am calling them to ask questions uh, around mm-hmm. this issue of truth. What is the truth? Um, and, and we shouldn't. I'm. I don't. I'm not shy about that. Like we shouldn't be shy about like having open discussions about these things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, kind of as we as we start to wrap things up one of the greatest things we can do in this podcast is to highlight um, some of the stories of these, these prisoners of hope, um, you know, the namesake of the podcast, the, the, the people who seem like they're exiles and captives in the world. And yet in reality, the only thing that they are held captive by is hope mm. that all will be restored. All will be well. Um, so who are some of these prisoners of hope that your team has been meeting with recently? Um, do you, do you have any, um, one or two, just kind of like stories on the top of your mind um, that that jump out as you know that that hope in play in the lives that you're interacting with. Yeah, you know our our team just came back from Egypt and they they did this story on one of the cases that we funded it was a gentleman who was a Muslim uh, from a Muslim background uh, had lost his vision due to a battery exploding. Wow, um, and he. He believes that the Lord miraculously healed him. Wow. And he came to faith in Christ and his family immediately took away his inheritance. They kicked mm. him out of his home. Mm-hmm. And then the community around him realized what had happened and prevented him from working. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to, you know, buy him this little tuk-tuk and uh, he, he's just, this is how he makes money. He drives people around Cairo in this tuk-tuk and, uh, my team were saying that his smile was just radiating joy, wow. you know, radiating hope. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. here, here was this man who's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's, he's lost the, 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 
the love and admiration of the community, mm-hmm. and uh, and yet he's he's got Jesus and he's yeah. got his tuk tuk. <laughs> yeah, he's got his tuk tuk. I love it. I love it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, it's a uh, it's great to to look ahead and see all the work that is to be done. So maybe to close, Josh, could you uh, could you just say a prayer over uh, over kind of 2024 and, and all these things that we've been talking about and uh, maybe something that we can mimic in our own prayer lives. Lord, we, um, we commit this year to you, 2024, um, that we would not make uh, uh, flippant New Year's resolutions, but um, if there is one, Lord, it would be that we would stay ever close to you. And um, we pray for those who are suffering uh, for their faith, that they too would be drawn closer to you, mm-hmm. that you would use uh, HTP, help the persecuted in a way that, um, that shields our brothers and sisters and protects yeah. them. Um, uh, uh, but together, Lord, that, um, that they would be drawn closer to you in the East and that those uh, our brothers and sisters here in the West also too, Lord, through that suffering, through the, the story of their suffering would too, uh, also be drawn closer to you. And that's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to Prisoners of Hope. Uh, for Josh Youssef, this is Will Carlisle. And if you would like to support the work of Help the Persecuted, please visit htp.org. That's htp.org forward slash donate. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Prisoners of Hope. Thank you for listening to another episode of Prisoners of Hope. Visit us at www.htp.org. Thank you.